This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mizzen and Maine. You deserve a dress shirt you actually want to wear. Try a comfortable, breathable, and machine washable dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine and use promo code MONEY to get 25% off orders of $130 or more at MizzenandMaine.com. This is Planet Money from NPR. The average American. Most Americans, if you ask them, will say that they are just that. The average American, earning a middle-class wage, or maybe a little more, a little less. We are a country that measures itself largely by its middle. But who exactly is the average American, this most mysterious and talked-about person? How much does the average American earn? How does the average American family actually live? I mean, we could talk facts and figures all day, but we have to say there's definitely one American, one family, really, that has kind of claimed that title for a while. Mm -hmm. They were, in fact, designed to be the definition of middle class. Back in 1989, just over 30 years ago, the very first episode of The Simpsons aired on Fox. And since then, The Simpsons have become an iconic American family. Kids! We're late for church. Ready for inspection, Mom. Very nice, Maggie. And Lisa, you look lovely. The Simpsons had a lot to do with the way I understood the world as a kid and as a teenager. Growing up with The Simpsons, Danny Alexis Ricecamp saw a lot of their family and community in the show. I have an embarrassingly encyclopedic knowledge of the first 10 or 11 seasons. Are you serious? That's so (laughs) awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh. I I was obsessed with The Simpsons. Danny is a freelance writer in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and they started to think about The Simpsons and had this realization. The idea that you could have one breadwinner in a family of five who had a high school education, working a union job at a power plant, and buying a nice house in the suburbs and supporting a spouse and these three other kids. The Simpsons' life, which had so closely reflected My life growing up and the lives of basically everyone I knew was at this point not normal, but aspirational. Danny wrote about this in an article for The Atlantic a couple of years ago. The Simpsons haven't changed much over the decades. Homer has the same job, same house. Lisa is still in second grade. The world, though, has changed a lot around it. Homer was introduced as a kind of economic everyman back in 1989. Would someone imagine that same life now? Is Homer Simpson's 1989 life out of reach in 2022? We got so fascinated by this idea that the Simpsons could reveal deep truths about the American dream and the economy. Yes, they did. Deep truths. And we actually made an entire Indicator episode about this a year ago. Yeah, and truly beyond any American podcast dream of our own, the writers of The Simpsons actually heard that episode. Yes, they did. And they responded with an episode of The Simpsons based on our economic questions. Dad, is that your paycheck? Sure is. Their 33rd season finale just aired. Oh, you get all that every week? Every two weeks. Oh, we loved it. It was the best. It was so nerdy. It features a rapping economist. And, you know, Patty, while we were watching this episode, we started talking about it. And we were like, you know, they just answered us. We can't leave them hanging. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Stacey Bennett-Smith. And I'm Patty Hirsch. The biggest changes in the economy happen little by little. And you only really notice them when you step back 
and look at how things have evolved over a lifetime. And in that way, the Simpsons are kind of like this archaeological dig, right? I mean, they are a representation of the middle class from about a generation ago that has survived intact, just sitting there waiting for an economics podcast to come along with our shovels and our little brushes and our deep and strange love of data and start excavating. A lot of economic changes are subtle day to day, but truly they are seismic. So today on the show, we dig into The Simpsons to understand how the American dream has changed. And fear not, we will get joyfully meta. We fact-check The Simpsons season finale and drop some economic truth bombs on 2022 Springfield. There will be jokes. There will be songs. Hugh Jackman acting as a magical janitor. Lots of economic data and the dashed dreams of a fourth grader. I can't wait to live the American dream. Well, actually, what? Oh, nothing. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. The Simpsons, an iconic American family and a kind of economic touchstone for middle-class America. At least, it was. The dopey, good-hearted Homer working his job at the local power plant. Don't! <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't Such resist. Homer. All right. Okay. Gauntlet down. Here we go. Marge, rock of the family, practical and loving, stay-at-home mom. Homer. Very good, Stacy. <laughs> Thank you. Been honing it. Uh, three kids, two cars, a house, a dog. Money for the Simpsons is often very tight, but they always make it work. Al Jean is a longtime executive producer of The Simpsons and one of the original writers on the show. He says he took a lot of the inspiration from the show from his own life growing up. My dad, he's not Homer Simpson, but shares some qualities with Homer, uh, ran a hardware store. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. We were in the middle. And, you know, with what my dad made, he had five kids and then we could afford it. Homer has a really solid job. He works at a nuclear power plant. It's a great job with benefits. And Al says Homer's life lined up with the lives of a lot of people that he knew growing up. I was born in Detroit. And when I was born in 61, you know, people would go, oh, you can get a job on the assembly line that, you know, whatever, pay up to $30 an hour. Guaranteed, it's a great job. You know, Detroit's always going to be making cars. Right. Well... That is how it started. So how's it going? Yeah, well, we talked about that a year ago in an Indicator episode. And Simpsons writer Tim Long heard that show and wanted to take the idea further. You know, it's obviously crazy that Homer has managed to maintain this middle class lifestyle. Like, how are they living so well? But just the issue, the hard economic facts of the show just struck me as kind of like an interesting topic. So I started kicking that around in my mind. And then I thought, well, what's the funniest way that we could respond. And then it felt like, what if it were a musical? 
I hope kind of that Jerome Powell is taking some notes because I'm just imagining like a musical Fed meeting. Ugh. Like inflation numbers set to music might help us feel better about everything. Okay, okay. Now back to The Simpsons. In this episode, <laughs> which is called Poor House Rock, Homer's son Bart embraces the American dream. That idea that if you work hard and play by the rules, you can do a little better than your parents did. I never thought about it, but Homer makes enough to pay for this awesome crib. Two cars with enough left over to fill the freezer with three kinds of French fries. Waffle, curly, and steak cut. Three kinds of French fries. That is the American dream. And Bart decides that he, like Homer, will work at the nuclear power plant and replicate his father's middle-class life. So, you're visiting your old man at work today. I sure am. And this sweet job will be mine someday. Hey, to burst your bubble, kid, but the kind of job your dad has just doesn't exist anymore. Bart, come with me to a magical place far in the past. America in the 20th century. Uh, sure, but you better not start singing. 1945, we won the war. Our boys came back to the... The primary voice in the song is none other than Hugh Jackman. And he plays a sort of magical singing janitor who takes Bart on a musical journey through the American economy from the end of the Second World War until now. Oh, and so it came to pass, with hard work and grit and grass, bit by bit we built our middle class. Yeah, and that magical singing janitor Hugh Jackman takes us back in time to when Homer, who does not have a college education, gets a job as the safety inspector at a power plant. Smart, I'm not a go-getter. My drinking problem's not getting better. What job could I possibly do? Nuclear safety inspector. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> jury's out on whether Homer would have gotten that job at any point in history. But <laughs> Homer's job is the first stop on our archaeological dig. Would Homer have that kind of job today? And back in 1989, about 16% of jobs in the U.S. were manufacturing jobs. And today, it is just over 8%. So Homer would be way less likely to work one of those jobs. But, of course, you know, it's still possible. Those, there's still a lot of those jobs. Well, yeah, for some people. But I'm afraid definitely not for Homer. And that's because Homer never went to college. And that simply would not fly for that kind of job in 2022. Bart's sister Lisa breaks it down for us. You want a job like that? Too bad, so sad. You'll never have the life our flabby dad had. Yo, all I need is a foot in the door, and I'll take dad's job when he does at 44. That job you see now needs a PhD while paying student loans leaves you in poverty. A PhD. Uh, that is not good news for Homer, I'm going to say. Yeah, not unless uh, PhD like, stands for a packet of happy donuts. Um, I love that a lot. But, you know, I do feel like any job that requires a doctorate or even like a bachelor's is probably kind of a non-starter for our average American hero. Yeah, and that takes us on to our next stop on the Simpsons' economic excavation, money and pay. What about Homer's pay and his lifestyle? Was it realistic back then? Is it realistic now? Okay, so they do not talk about Homer's salary directly in the 33rd season finale, but it has come up in Simpsons' Days of Yore. And to find it took some real excavation back into the archives of The Simpsons. And for this, we got some help. Danny Alexis Reiskamp, our Simpsons superfan and freelance writer, was determined to figure out exactly how much Homer made. And they started sleuthing through episodes until they found their evidence. 
I started with the 1996 episode, Much of Who About Nothing, where we get a shot of Homer's paycheck. Woohoo! A perfect day. Zero bears and one big, fat, hairy paycheck. Hey, how come my pay is so low? And we can actually see his gross pay and the taxes he pays on it and all of that. And if you do the math on it, his annual income works out to about $25,000. That is roughly, not quite, 50000 of today's dollars, which is a solid salary. But is it enough for The Simpsons to afford their life? You know, a house, two cars, three kinds of fries. Yeah, wrapping in 2022, Lisa Simpson, our resident downer, is sceptical that this is all still attainable for her brother. She tells Bart, lower your economic expectations. You're going to pinch every dollar and cent and you'll still have to choose between healthcare and rent. No brand new car, no, no fancy house, no hot dinners cooked by your stay-at-home spouse. Yeah. Okay, so this these, this is very harsh from from Lisa Patty. This is very this well, no, lots, no change lots there, then. of bad news. But but let's look at the data and see if if what she's saying is actually true. If her doomsday prophecies are correct. Uh, so back in 1989, the median home price in the U.S. was 125 thousand dollars. That is adjusted for inflation. Uh, today, the median home price is about 430 thousand dollars. Now, if we compare this to Homer's salary. Back in 1989, the house would cost him about six times what he earned. Today, it is nearly 10 times his salary. Yeah, and the likelihood of 2022 Homer owning that home with the big yard, probably lower today than it would have been in 1989. Okay, Patty, so far, 2022 Homer does not have a job or a house. Mm. Maybe, maybe he can move in with Bart. Oh, my God. Yes, maybe. <laughs> but would Bart be able to afford a house? I mean, how are his economic prospects looking? All that, plus a rapping economist, after a word from our sponsor. The ad in the beer podcast is an ad for beer. That is so smart. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. Okay, so we've basically established that 1989 Homer was living pretty large compared to what 2022 Homer can expect. And the 33rd season finale of The Simpsons goes a step further. It says, this is not just Homer. Well, they sing it, actually. And so it came to pass. Greedy rich men kicked our ass. Fiddling while they burned our middle class. Burn the middle class is kind of a strong statement, right? I mean, yes, there are fewer manufacturing jobs than there were 30 years ago, but there are lots of really good jobs today that didn't exist back then. I mean, the tech industry alone, for example, has created millions of jobs. There are many, many new kinds of opportunities for wealth. And Bart, you know, in a lot of ways has more options than he did 30 years ago. 
Cause there's a lot of new ways a guy can make a dollar. I'll ride the money train, make it rain, holla. I'll buy and sell Bitcoin, build a new app, do pranks on YouTube. I'm great at that crap. Film TikTok tricks on my sick motorbike. Your chances are slim. Go to hell, Robert Reich. Robert Reich! Robert Reich! <laughs> Yes, the former Labour Secretary from the Clinton administration came on the show to, as Simpsons writer Tim Long puts it, throw down some facts. But I just wanted someone to just start spitting facts for about 30 seconds, and I thought, well, who else to get? Your dad and his buddies had it swell, but gradually it all went to hell. Factories closed, unemployment would spike. Here to explain it is Robert B. Reich. The decline of unions, rampant corporate greed, Wall Street malfeasance, and the rise of short-sighted politics all contributed to increased economic inequality, widespread real unemployment, wage stagnation, and a lower standard of living for millions of Americans. You know, Patty, you and I, we love economists. We always love our data. But, you know, we we wanted to fact-check all this for ourselves. Is the middle class actually smaller than it was 30 years ago? Is Bart less likely to be in the middle class than his dad? Good question. So let's look at the data. The Pew Research Center looked into this, and they find that back around 1990, 56% of American families were in the middle class. And today, it's half. 50% of American families are technically middle class right now. So the middle class has gotten smaller in 30 years about 6% smaller. Mm. And one of the families that is no longer making the cut, the Simpsons. That's right. Our hero, Homer J. Simpson, isn't technically middle class anymore. Yeah, we looked at Homer's income and the size of his family and used this calculator that the Pew Research Center designed. And according to that, the Simpsons back in 1989 were solidly middle class. But today, even when we adjust Homer's old paycheck for inflation, the 2022 Simpsons are a low-income family. But not everybody in Springfield is struggling. Example A, Montgomery Burns, the owner and CEO of the nuclear plant where Homer works. Monty Burns. Uh, When The Simpsons debuted, CEOs made, on average, about 60 times the average worker's salary. Today, CEOs make around 350 times the average worker's salary. Excellent. So if we use Homer's paycheck to extrapolate out Mr. Burns' pay, Monty Burns would have been earning about $1.3 million a year back in 1989. And today, he'd be pulling in around $17.5 million a year. What's the smallest amount of money I can think of? $1,000. Yes, the rich are getting a lot richer than the middle class. But, you know, that is not necessarily at the heart of the American dream question, I would argue, Patty. I would say that that question really centers around this idea that every generation can live a little bit better than the one before, have a few more opportunities. So I put this to Simpsons executive producer Al Jean. He agrees with you, Patty. He does not think this is the case anymore. Sometimes I say, you know, it's possible that our show has declined, but the world has declined further. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember growing up and, you know, you just thought, oh, we're in the luckiest country in the world and, and, you know, things will always get better. And I don't believe the majority of the public thinks, at least they don't think the second thing anymore. When Homer was born in 1950, about 80% of kids could expect to earn more than their parents. For the Simpsons kids born in the 1980s, only about half of them will earn more than their parents. And as far as the Simpsons kids go... My money's on Lisa. So 2022 Homer will wrap up, probably does not have a house or a job. And even though Homer's earnings are no longer economically middle of the road, 
heart probably cannot expect to do any better. I get a dude abandon hope. We can't escape our slippery slope. The future's a sandwich made of poo. Just tell me, what do you want me to do? Oh, Patty, how did we get here? It is so bleak. But never fear, I have some silver lining Simpsons cheer. Oh. Did you hear my rhyme? I need it. I need the silver lining. I appreciate it. Here it comes. So the unemployment rate is a lot lower now than it was 30 years ago. And a record number of people have started businesses in the last couple of years. So, you know, there's a big entrepreneurial spirit alive and well in the United States. So Homer can always start that beer podcast and make his millions. <laughs> Probably really good. Uh, and by the way, we asked Al Jean if, you know, the Simpsons might consider adjusting Homer Simpson's lifestyle for inflation. Like, maybe you know, making the family economically realistic by 2022 standards. You know, just a thought for season 34. Uh, The answer seemed to be, it's like a hard no. That was a hard no. no. We did one once where they lost their house and people said, it's too sad. People are out losing their houses. It it just made me just too, you know, if we had Flanders buy it and rent it back to them. But, um, (laughs) you know, even that, (laughs) they were like, it's just sad. So you have this like a platform that they never go below because, then it turns from comedy to tragedy, and nobody wants that. Do you hear that, Patty? Nobody wants 2022 Homer. Yeah, nobody wants tragedy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of suspension of disbelief. How, can, how in the world can you afford to live in a house like this, Simpson? I don't know. Don't ask me how the economy works. This episode of Planet Money was produced by Audrey Dilling and edited by Alex Goldmark. It was fact-checked by Taylor Washington. Our engineers were Gilly Moon and Josh Newell, and the original Indicator episodes were edited by Kate Concanon, produced by Brittany Cronin, Jess Kung, James Willits, Corey Bridges, and Sam Sai. Planet Money is a production of NPR. So, uh, did, did Robert Reich look over the script? Yeah, he did. He did. And he didn't have a single change. So, so this means that we could say that this show was in some way inspired by The Indicator and fact-checked by Robert Reich. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 solve food for work. From ordering online for meetings and team lunches to managing food spend for your whole organization, Easy Cater can help you simplify your corporate catering needs. Over 100,000 restaurants nationwide, plus budgeting tools and payment by invoice. Learn more at easycater.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mizzen and Maine. You deserve a dress shirt you actually want to wear. Try a comfortable, breathable, and machine-washable dress shirt from Mizzen in Maine and use promo code MONEY to get 25% off orders of $130 or more at MizzenInMaine.com. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts.